the world's always been at war. A war on terror, this very vague term, a war on terror. Now, terror is the byproduct of a war, you see. And here they are using the byproduct as the cause, terror. And anything and everything is coming under terrorism, speech. That's always the first thing to be hit hard. And they use law now today to do it. The power of the purse can bankrupt you so easily. They also are going in to food rationing. That is coming. There's no doubt about it since the big five agribusinesses have taken over the world's food supply. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the militarization of society and how the children who are even going into kindergarten today are being brainwashed scientifically for a world that's going to be vastly different from the one we know. And remember, the one we know is not ours either, it never was. Neither was it your parents' world. Every generation is given an update towards the big plan, the big great work as they call it and we get used to the world we live in even though it's completely artificial therefore we generally notice the big changes and folk are noticing the changes, they're not really waking up, they're reacting to the changes that they see happening they're confused as well and a bit angry we don't like to be sort of rustled out of our nests type of thing and that's how it's working and to understand this you must go into the histories of the world it's all in the histories and especially to do with commerce and economics and eugenics and the elite who've always sat at the top big robber barons who plunder the old-fashioned way you know they don't that's how they earn their money they steal it and they still do but they do it in such a virtuous manner here's what's happening with the children now, people know in Britain, for instance, there's a big company backed by big foundations and government called, I think it's N-Power, E-N-Power, putting out ads, big ads, for children to be recruited as spies for the ecosystem, for Mother Earth. And they're given little ID cards and call numbers, and they can rat on their parents and their neighbors concerning their garbage and so on. Are they recycling as they're supposed to be? and all of that kind of stuff. Who wants this kind of world? And yet, if you were to ask the parents, I, I don't even know if they'd be concerned, to be honest with you. They could probably tell you everything about the stars in Hollywood and Pamela Anderson's latest boob job, but probably very little else. That's how sad it is. How sad it is how people are disconnected with things they should be out there in the streets marching about. The real stuff, rather than the trivia that they soak up like potato chips. This is from theguardian.co.uk and it's by James Randerson a science editor I believe and it says so at this this is this is from August the 17th 2008 children I'd say children see they say kids kids are young goats by the way 
And Lenin said to dehumanize that the society must use different terms. Well, they give you animal terms and the people adopt it. Kids play MOD war games, Ministry of Defense war games. And the, the question is, should children as young as 12 be involved in a Military of Defense-sponsored contest to develop military hardware? Last week, I had an extremely stage-managed insight into the Ministry of Defense Grand Challenge at Cope Hill Down on Salisbury Plain. Cope Hill Down is a mocked-up German village built at the height of the Cold War for training British soldiers in street fighting, but is currently playing host to a collection of experimental spy robots. The autonomous vehicles included mini-tanks, model helicopters, and even a flying saucer. Well, gee whiz, eh? Uh, like, like we didn't know they had them since the, at least the 40s. The idea of the challenge is to develop robots that can scope out an enemy-controlled city for threats such as snipers and improvised explosive devices. On the surface, it was all good gung-ho fun, but I couldn't help feeling uncomfortable that some of the 11 teams had involved children as young as 12 in the development of their robots. Okay, so they're not designing automatic rifles and cluster bombs and getting children's children into science is good, but it's all part of making the UK military more effective. Professor Phil Sutton, the Minister of Defence, Director General of Science and Technology Strategy, justified it thus. Now listen to the wording of this. The nation needs scientists and engineers put aside defence for the good of the economy. And what we want to do is excite young people to know that science and engineering is a great thing to engage in. Whereas once upon a time you might have drawn a hard line between defense and civil. To repeat that for the harder thinking. Drawn a hard line between defense and civil, it's much more fuzzy now. You see, they're blurring the lines between military and civilian life. It's total war and they're bringing the children in. Now, that's telling you, too, in this little paragraph, that for the good of the economy, and what are they doing here? That's all about making high-tech weaponry. Weaponry is to be used in city settings. Now, think about that, and stop thinking about Pamela Anderson. This is what they're training the children for, and their economy is going to be a war economy. Remember what Rumsfeld said, this is a hundred years war, right after 9-11. What does he mean by a hundred years war? These guys don't say these things off the top of their head. In fact, they can't say anything off the top of their head. It's all scripted by their bosses. This is a hundred years war to change the entire face of the world and to bring in a whole new system step by step, first with cyborg-type technology, coupled with cloning technology till full cloning technology and then the old way of breeding people is over completely in the third stage and male and female will be over too, extinct, gone into the post-humanist agenda this article goes on and says and there's more on this point in the video is this really something children should be part of or am I just being a woolly liberal from 4 p.m. British Standard Time on August the 19th, commenting on the science blog will be turned off. So you can, you can go there and put your comments in and so on and say what you think about this particular article. And The Guardian has other 
little blurbs on this same subject. It's worth looking into. Now here's another one. It's from parallelnormal.com. That's Mark Bard's website. And this is Scanning Faces for Autism. Listen to this. It's posted on August the 19th. Computer scientists revive a eugenics tool to spot brain damage. Then he goes into the fact that the SS in World War II scientists studied Tibetan spatial characteristics on an early expedition. They were into measuring skulls and how wide your, your eyes were apart and all this stuff to see if you had criminal tendencies. University of Missouri computer scientists are sure to anger neurodiversity advocates with this one hypothesizing that autistic children have unique physical features, they will create a roadmap with head size and facial feature measurements for diagnosticians. Now, please listen who's funding it. The research is being funded by the U.S. Department of Defense. Think about that. Everything is about autism. The U.S. Department of Defense. Instead of looking at brain structure slice by slice in a magnetic resonance image, we developed tools to create a 3D representation of the structure in order to visualize and make comparisons, says Kevin Karsh, a research assistant in Duan's computer graphics lab in a recent announcement. Using the 3D representations, we are comparing the brain structures of autistic children to those of non-autistic children. No one has ever done that, really. MU researchers study facial structures, brain abnormalities to reveal formula for earlier detection of autism. MU News Bureau, the U.S. Department of Defense awarded Duan in collaboration with researchers at the MU Thompson Center for Autism and Neurodevelopmental Disorders a $110,000 grant to create a facial imaging system that would make identical measurements of the, children, the faces of children with ASD. Additionally, the NARSAD Foundation the world's leading charity dedicated to mental health research, awarded Duane the prestigious Young Investigator Award and $60,000 to fund the 3D imaging of various segments of the brain in children with ASD. Now, I've told you before, these big foundations and these big charities are any, anything but involved in what you really think they are. Same with the Cancer Society. The oldest con in the book was to rake in money and put it into their actual same eugenics agenda. That's where it goes. That's where it goes, not to helping or curing. And believe you me, they're all connected together, the big foundations. Remember what Weishaupt said and Albert Pike. The creating of foundations would lead them along or lead the people along the great work because they would dish out to their NGOs and their charity groups their agenda, and the agenda would be pushed on the public. They call it raising public awareness. It means brainwashing you. That's what it means, brainwashing you along a certain path. It says we are developing a quantitative method that will actually measure the differences and allow for earlier and more precise detection of specific types of the disorder, said Ye Duen, assistant computer science professor in the MU College of Engineering. Once we have created a formula, you can pre-screen children by performing a quick non-invasive scan of each child's face and brain to check for abnormalities. This is pure eugenics. Pure eugenics where they can label people. There's a great movie you should see. It's called The Ogre. The Ogre. Fantastic movie. 
with, I think it was John Malkovich. Very well done, very picturesque, past in the Black Forest in Germany. But they show you in the movie version what was going on in Nazi Germany. And don't think the Nazis dreamed that up because it started off in Britain. And prime ministers were into this in a big, big way. And used to exchange different theories and, and, and drawings on, on the various facial features and so on. They categorized humans and subhumans into descending categories. Worth looking into. See the movie The Ogre. Because it's all here, folks. It never went away. Never went away. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix, talking about the militarization of society and how we're all being labeled, and you've no idea what governments have on you. They know more about you than you know yourself. They have complete personality profiles of you and your habits. And the military uses this. They have a whole fictional you in a virtual reality, but with all of your traits and characteristics. It's incredible what's been done under this farce of keeping us all safe and how the public, too, have responded to it is absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. To see how easily conquered, easily conquered whole nations are when they've been socialized to an extent that they're now perpetual children. They never grow up. They never grow up. And believe you me, when it's down on the street and you have to fight for your freedom, as people have in the past, it's a horror show, absolute horror show. And it doesn't happen until, until people are backed against the wall and being starved. And then they're just a riotous mob. This has all been discussed again at the top. You know this. Meanwhile, you're told to play. And they make sure there's enough of this inflated money around and credit card systems for you to reward yourself in the Pavlovian method at the end of every month for being very good and bored you know, always buy something that falls apart in a month and end up in the garbage dump because it's all made in China but then the system isn't meant to go on too much longer the socialism is perpetual child, uh, childhood and there's a lot of children out there that can't think for themselves and you have to understand they're the casualties and you can't even worry or fret about them anymore because things are getting desperate. Here's an article from Britain, the Sunday Mail, because what happens in Britain happens everywhere else in the world, remember, very quickly. Very, very quickly. Why Britain? Because Britain's been at the indoctrination of the peasantry for centuries and centuries. They have it down to a fine art. This is from the Sunday Mail. August the 10th, 2008, by Raymond Haney. More than 8,000 pupils are to have their fingerprints taken so they can be tracked by teachers. Controversial biometric fingerprinting will be introduced to eight secondary schools in the biggest experiment of its type in Scotland. But parents, now here's, here's how they, they, they throw you off the track with the counter to it. Now it's very, it's, this is very common, it's a common technique. But parents at, yesterday attacked the scheme 
saying there are few controls over who can access the finger database. See, the real argument here is supposed to be they shouldn't be doing this in the first place. And this is how they slew it off into a, a parallel debate that ends up on the same road. You see, this is standard technique. Officials behind this scheme say schools can use electronically connected thumbprints to monitor attendance, the buying of school meals, and the borrowing of library books. The Scottish Parent Teacher Council spokeswoman Judith Gillespie said, I've concerns about it, and it does raise the specter of Big Brother. Well, no kidding. Where's William Wallace when you need him with that big sword, eh? We need a new independent mechanism to look at the use of biometric data. We recognize the people's concerns that we are setting up some kind of secret record of fingerprinting. The scheme is to be introduced in all eight secondary schools across East Dumbartonshire, where the council have already piloted it in Beauclair Academy and Bearsden and Lenzie Academy. They've announced plans to use it in the new public-private, here you go, public-private again, partnership Bearsden Academy near Glasgow when it opens next year. But the Sunday Mail can reveal five other secondaries Bishop Briggs Academy, Douglas Academy in Mulgavi, Mulgai actually, that's pronounced it, Kukintilla High and Bishop Briggs Schools, St. Ninians High and Turnbull High will also get the scheme. This is going to spread all through Britain. A total of 8,300 pupils will be involved, the council said. We will be introducing this in all our secondary schools. There you go. Earlier this year, the system was introduced in Lenzie Academy and Beauclair Academy and has been a success. A success. Oh, it's been a success. Now, how, did, how can they tell you it's been a success? Does that mean everybody complied? Is that what they mean by successful? It's like communism. That was one about peace. And you understand the definition of peace in communism is absence of all opposition. This is the same technique that's been used here. The information is used to create a unique code which is stored in a database. Scanners recognize each individual code and can identify the child from a thumb impression on a scanner. You know who pushed this? And the ID and even the chip for clothing. The Freemasonic societies. Look at their websites. They boast about it. And who runs the cops? Well, the, the Masons do. The police chiefs are all Masons, you see. Every cop is advised to become a Freemason. And generally going to their homes, and you'll, you'll see their one with their little cadet's uniform on, with a graduation outfit, and next to that is the one with their Masonic regalia and their little sash and their white gloves, or gauntlets, as I like to call them. Why did they have to join it? Because it is a society that will stand up for each other and even lie in court to save each other. So it's almost like an insurance policy. It says here the council added, the number which is created after scanning cannot be reinterpreted into a fingerprint image. Pupils will also have the opportunity to opt out. Well, sure, sure, you can tell that right away. They're opting out, right? And you know what happens if you opt out? You can't get into the library. You can't get into this. You can't get into that. That's how they do it. It's impossible not to comply. That's how totalitarian regimes work, folks. It's all here. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Tonight, folks, I am Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, this incredible system we live in, which is on a roller coaster towards totalitarianism, if you haven't noticed. And how can it be stopped? What's well, up to you, every single one of you? If freedom and the right to privacy is something that you must keep a hold of, then you must act. You can't be quiet anymore because these guys mean business and as they go along in this path you won't be able to move without permission shortly. Never mind eat without permission. I'm not kidding you. That's where it's all going. A few years ago in a little CBC blurb in Canada on the news they told us that one of the latest and most advanced Places for testing DNA had been built in Montreal. And you saw these robotic arms that could lift about 100 different test tubes at a time on a conveyor belt, just lifting and moving all these test tubes. Boom, 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 boom. And it was obviously a multi-million dollar deal. And they had this, the con, the con, they said, this is just for the occasion to harden criminal. Now, this thing could do the whole of North America. And that's what it's going to be used for. And they're doing it everywhere, you see, because, again, it's eugenics to see if, well, if you're the superior or inferior type, and you're getting categorized according to what's coming ahead and who will be saved and who won't be saved. That's what it's all about, too. Again, the same old Hitler uh, list that he used, that he borrowed, actually, from Britain, because Wells, H.G. Wells and others had written the same list, and so did John Stuart Mill the great economist of superior types and races and inferior types and races. And what they lacked at that time was the DNA studies to make it more efficient. Here's another article from Britain on this topic. BBC News, and this was uh, Friday the 15th of August 2008. DNA of blameless youths stored Ministers have been accused of building a national DNA database by stealth by retaining profiles of nearly 40,000 children never convicted of a crime. The government says there are 39,095 DNA profiles of 10 to 18-year-olds from England and Wales who were arrested but never cautioned or charged. The Home Office said retaining DNA was a key intelligence tool for police fighting serious and violent crime. The Liberal Democrats say the DNA of blameless children should not be retained, but they don't really mean it because they're liberal. It says, last month, a government-funded inquiry recommended that DNA profiles of people who had never been convicted of a crime should be removed from the database, which is said should be controlled by an independent body. It's just slant again. No, it shouldn't be there at all. You see, that's the bottom line with all this stuff. It shouldn't be there at all. But currently, samples from anyone arrested for a recordable offence detained at a police station in England and Wales, same in Canada, innocent or guilty, can be kept on file indefinitely. Innocent people who volunteer to give a DNA sample, that's the airheads, during a police inquiry also have their details kept on record, and if you refuse, that's on record too. People who give samples during arrest but are later not charged or are cleared can apply to the chief constable to have them removed in exceptional circumstances. That means you say you're a widow's son. In Scotland, DNA samples taken when people are arrested must be destroyed if the individual is not charged or convicted unless they are accused of a violent or sexual crime. 
and no doubt that last article I read means they've got their fingerprints as well. Eh? <laughs> Junior Minister Meg Hillier confirmed on Friday that there were 349,934 DNA profiles of under-18s on the database, 87.1% of whom had either been convicted or cautioned, it means they neither been convicted or cautioned or had received a final warning. She acknowledged there were 39,095 DNA profiles of youngsters who were never cautioned or charged. Chris Hoon, the Liberal Democrat's Home Office spokeswoman or spokesman, said these startling figures show that the government is building a national DNA database by stealth. Well, of course they are, yo-yo, and you're in government, and you can find out an awful lot more if you wanted to, but then you'd lose your job, wouldn't you, for telling the public. You must play the game. And that's what's going on as people munch their chips and watch the boob tube and listen to trivia and watch wrestling and all the other stuff that passes their time or play video games. It's amazing, you know, how short this life is and people want to do what? They want to pass their time just in a oblivion. It's quite something. And I guess the more they hype up fear amongst the public, the more they want to escape. But then they'll offer you the virtual reality and in you go. Uh, man goes out with a whimper, not with a bang, eh? Now we'll go to the phones, and we've got Rick in California. Are you there, Rick? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me, Alan? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, um, I've been noticing that you've been quoting a, a Lenin a lot, and um, I'm wondering uh, what book uh, of Lenin were you, were, um, the, that you like, the one that, where you get a lot of the quotes from. Do you know how many books were put out under Lenin's name? Oh, I don't know. About 200. 200, wow. Because the Politburo had a whole staff that put out, just churned these things out. However, if you look at used books, especially from New York, because all the English versions were published at the same time in New York and the USA. And oh. there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of them. You can pick them up for a, a few cents each. Can I, can I read a quote from, uh, a couple quotes from uh, Lenin? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sure. Okay. And in view of the fact that you know, he's writing in 1902, he's, he's writing for, um, it's called what, what is to be done. That's right. Yeah. And it says, in view of the fact that this criticism of Marxism has long been directed from the political platform, from university chairs and numerous participants in a series of learned treaties, in view of the fact that the entire younger generation of the educated classes have been systematically reared for decades in this criticism, it is not surprising that the new critical trend in social democracy should spring up all complete like Minerva from the head of Jove. Yeah. So there, there, there's a Masonic reference again. Well, Minerva from the head of John is actually 9-11. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's what it stands for, 9-11. And then he, and then he does another quote where he, um, actually it's too long, but basically he says that it, it, you know, it, in an autocratic society, he's talking about the czar, where it's so repressive or even the slightest criticism toward the state is, in, is, is not tolerated, he says, Marxists recorded, book publishers rejoice at the extraordinary ready state of Marxist literature. Um, you know, books are published one after another. Marxist journals and newspapers were founded. Nearly everyone became a Marxist. So right there he tells on communism right there that it's not, not really uh, anti-establishment. It's not really so radical or revolutionary. It was promoted by the czar, basically, if the government allowed, allowed it like that. Well, the government allowed a socialist system. In, you see, there's two revolutions. One was in 1905. Mm-hmm. And that, that was like Britain, where they had a, a parliament established along with the Tsar at the top, a monarchy over it. 
Mm-hmm. But then the Bolsheviks that let you Lenin was a con man. His job right. was, to, was to help get all the socialists to fight, get that stage done, and then he led the Bolsheviks in, in an, an uprising, uh, and they took over and established the Bolshevik government. Oh. So, see, Lenin uh, and Marxism, they used every other socialist organization, they encouraged them all so that they could get it set up, and then, as I say, they just put themselves in power on the top of it. Then they killed all the rest off. <laughs> oh, yeah, because well, he was talking about the 1890s and 1880s during the yeah. Tsar. You know, all, the, all these books were published, and that's really, it's really uh, fat, uh, surprising, you know. I mean, you would think that the Tsar would be repressive, so maybe, do you think he supported? Uh, well, well he, knew, he knew that they had to, and in fact, he was also already uh, doing a lot of uh, reformation in that country. He knew that they had to go uh, the same way as Britain, be a form of democracy. But, of course, Lenin and his cohorts had other plans. And, uh, and they, they use, as I say, what they always do is use all the liberals to push for freedoms and then they kill them off once they're in power. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that they would do in the States, uh, you know, and so on. I have a friend who's really into Mexican rights and, you know, he's into all the causes and he's trying to convert me to it. Because I talk about the system, what it's doing, and he says, oh, yeah, Lenin said that. Oh, yeah, Marx said that. And uh-huh. he's trying to convert me to Lenin. Well, Lenin also, remember, believed in the reign of terror. Yeah, and, and in his own book, I think in his own books, um, it came out that he ordered uh, his henchmen to go round all the villages and just round up, say, twenty people from each village and hang them and let them rot from the trees and the lamppost, wow. just to terrify the peasants into complying. That that's what it was all about. Terror. Yeah. Wow. Thank you very much, Alan. Yeah. Thanks for calling. You have a good day. You too. Now got Chris from Kentucky. Are you there, Chris? Yeah, uh, Chris Graff. Yeah. Legal Kentucky? Okay, you kind of fuzzed out there for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't uh, get the beginning of your show. Did you give a weather report on the uh, on the chemtrails up there, as I've been hearing uh, lately here? I, I I didn't do it this morning, but um, but yeah, the the I've had two days of not too bad weather. Although the sprays in the mornings, and you get that milky white color. But yesterday yeah. was probably the, probably the most normal it's been for the whole year. Yeah. I see. That's well. I was just curious because while I was listening to those reports uh, on your on your recorded cat uh, down here in in uh, Louisville, it's been just great here the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are usually the worst months of the year, really hot. It's just yes. been like skip straight to September. So, um, just curious to hear what it was like up there. But uh, let's see. Getting to my question here, um, I guess what I wanted to know was. Uh, have you ever uh, done any reading along the lines of Oswald Spengler or uh, Joseph Campbell? I've read some of their stuff, yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah and what, uh, what, how did it touch you? What did you think about it? Because that's kind of been uh, the path of me, you know, coming, you know, through to you, I guess, eventually here. And so it's kind of a part of my world picture. I don't agree with everything, but there's a lot of... Uh, Stuff that I that I do look at as truthful, or at least it seems to make a little sense in light of things happening today. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, all the things that you've been talking to have just, in a lot of ways, they seem to fall right into that world picture for me. So, what uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? If you can still remember back that far. <laughs> you, you, yeah, well, uh, there's a lot of books similar to that go a certain distance into the system although they fall short generally towards the end. Most of them do fall short. I understand why they fall short, because you have to go through the door, and mm-hmm. uh, you literally walk into a hell of understanding. I mean a hell 
of understanding. It's not, it's not easy to carry that burden, and you cannot communicate everything to the general public because they have no foundation on what you'd have to talk about. You'd have to educate them, especially um, almost one-on-one, on, one on one to bring them up into this understanding. You're up against so many powers here, uh, very old powers, that um, and, and a lot of uh, covers over the system, misleading covers too, like camouflage, um, diversions, nonsense, as well is mixed up in there to divert the public off into other other areas. But when you really see the truth of it all, it's it's beyond science fiction. It's it's hell. And what we're seeing today is hell manifest on Earth openly under the guise of science and the scientific dictatorship. That's what they're telling us to do, just roll over and allow the scientists, all the experts, to have their way and rule you. That's what they want us to, to accept, to be ruled by experts. They keep changing their theories, which confuses the public. But believe you me, behind it all, there's no confusion whatsoever. The, the bosses over the scientists, the scientists are paid through grants. The bosses, have, they know where they're, they're taking this world. And it truly is the elimination of sentient life for the vast right. majority of people. It's the elimination of, of even their rights to continue your own, your own lineages, however humble mm-hmm. they may be. Uh, this is a planned world society of utter horror ruled by people with a distinct religion at the top, uh, people who have archives of histories gone down through the ages, down through centuries and millennia, who know how to give us our cultures, how to use culture, how to manipulate it and change it and direct it, and how the public will adapt to it. We're living through it, in fact, um, and it's working very, very well. We have to break the spell that we're under, and this is the spell of, of collectivism. Right. You that, see, the ones that, at the top, yeah. the ones at the top, have no more rights. Not think, what, not one single person at the top has has the right to make you comply with what they see as their world vision. Exactly. You have as much right, no matter who you are or what class you belong to, you have as much right to plan your own life accordingly and that of your own offspring as they do. But they're trying, but they're conditioning us all that we, we can't think for ourselves, just allow ourselves to be managed like cattle. But God, to stop it and reclaim our sovereignty, our individual sovereignty. That has to be done, because these people go to the bathroom just like you and I and drop their pants. Exactly. There's nothing special and holy or godlike about them, believe you me. Yeah, and we've got I mean, to stop I'm being frightened of them. I'm in total agreement with you on that. Yep. It's yep. about everything you say, I think that I, or everything you've said that I can, that I've heard so far. I can't, you know, dispute it. So, but there, there is one thing that I'm not quite clear. I mean, when you talk about these lineages of, of these people, because. Uh, except for, you know, with you and then the, the, those who are into studies of the occult, I haven't heard of this kind of, I, I'm getting a picture of a continuity yeah. of, uh, of these elite. Mm-hmm. This, this will be my last question. But, uh, what, I mean, do you think, and this, this is what I know, like Alex Jones and, and some of those other guys out there, they're talking about too, that these elite actually are a bloodline that goes back to the time of Sumer and Babylon and Egypt. Egypt, 
Uh, and if you do think so, what I mean, what gives you the trust that all this history that goes back these thousands of years, which mm -hmm. has been controlled by the you know the rulers themselves? What you have, what you have, is a pyramid, and at the top mm -hmm. you, you have lineages who've been interbred since at least the days of Sumer and def definitely the pharaohs. I mean, the pharaohs wrote extensively about the, the lineages of of the pharaohs, and and their people, the scribes wrote extensively on this. And they did match them up for specific qualities, both the male and female. And then you go into even the histories of British royalty down through the ages, same thing. They did not okay, choose their wives. My question is, is there a link between, in other words, is, is this a, the same group of people that pass it from civilization? Some of them are. Some of them definitely are. But also they gave the world Freemasonry. And Freemasonry allows you, if you do your work towards the great work, and do accept the wife that they will bring to you if you've been chosen to go up the ladder. And the third generation, you can then join them. And that is what being grafted onto the tree of life means. You're a scion, S-C-I-O-N. That's a graft, a young root uh, or, or shoot that's grafted on. And uh, you then can, can join them. So there's many more who have joined them down through the ages for helping them than there are of the original uh, small clique of people that ruled the ancient world. It's a pyramid. Yeah. All okay. right. That's well, it. Thanks for calling. Now we've got Bernard from Pennsylvania. Are you there, Bernard? Oh, hold on, Bernard, and we'll be back after this break. We've actually got a James from Australia. We'll try and fit him in if we can. Is James here from Australia? Thanks, Alan. I'm here. Okay. How are you? Good. How are you? Not so bad. Just wanted to um, talk about two questions. But firstly, um, yeah, this global climate change is getting more mad here at the moment in Australia. Yeah. I live in Brisbane, but um, yeah, and there's an organisation which is just um, currently crossing throughout the land um, with a, a climate torch. Yeah. And it says here it's. Um, powered by solar, wind turbine, and a lemon. Mm -hmm. so they're trying to promote alternative energies, but um, just a bit of humorous um, website, I thought. But anyway, yes. mm -hmm. um, the first question I had was, um, do the NGOs and charities sort of purposely create the impression that they are struggling grassroots organizations? Yes. Like, yeah. for example, um, there's lots of people who uh, collect money in the streets, mm -hmm. or the greenies and the animal cause lobbyists. Yeah. And they often use these pressure tactics and like guilt response um, questions. Yeah. Is this more about the perception that they're in need of funds? Or? Oh, absolutely. It's to make the public think they are grassroots. Now, remember the Soviet system, and this is the one that Club of Rome suggests that we all adopt, and, and they were agreed with the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Soviet means rule by councils, which they meant, by, which they meant was NGOs. Right. And these NGOs, their spokespeople, then have uh, official say in policy. And, of course, the spokespeople are picked by the big foundations like the Rockefeller and Carnegie and Ford Foundations and, and many others. Uh, so they're all bought and paid for. But, yeah, they, they do give this false, uh, false impression that they are grassroots. Yeah, I've also got a friend who's um, working in Chatham House um, in the UK. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And um, is he likely to know about all this sort of stuff? Or? Oh, absolutely. Chat- Chatham House was the British MI6 intelligence centre during World War II, and it's still part, it's still completely combined with it. Uh, they're, they're, they're the guys who have spearheaded the, the whole road for the coming food shortages. They've got many panels working on it. They've got, they, they actually write out the policies for global integration, and their American uh, branch, the Council on Foreign Relations, are the ones who drafted up and admitted on television yeah. uh, the integration for the Americas. Yeah, so if I ask this bloke about those sort of food crisis things, he, he's likely to actually know about it, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. They use the organisation, but yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's quite, I was quite amazed that he got into it. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, another question, last one. Um, a lot of homeless people are walking around the streets here as well, and uh, usually in the same place, and they're really scruffy. Like, you know, the, the council does nothing about that. They um, basically, they're also a bit of a public nuisance, I think. But anyway, they, they're always around the place. Some of them are actually quite okay. But are they actually there for any particular reason? Like, I've, I've heard you talk about this before, but is there more to it than just sort of, are they, are they leaving them there on purpose? I'm sure they're there on purpose. Um... It was interesting, too, that, that many years ago they said that the public were having it too good. I can remember when the, when the Prime Ministers came out and said this, and they had to be reminded that poverty was only a, a knock away. And so the more that they could turn loose on the street, homeless and so on, and scruffy, that would be a, a, a warning to the rest not to fall into debt, etc., or this is what's waiting for you if you lose your job, so be a good, obedient, little working citizen. And then, then they closed down all the mental hospitals across the Western world and turned them all loose in the city streets. Uh, just to, to encourage that whole phenomenon, that whole impression, has been very successful. Everyone's terrified of ending up on the street, etc. And that's part of this, this policy, is to make you obedient and hang into whatever crappy job you have. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's always a purpose behind things, and nothing by, happens by chance. Nothing at all. It's all planned at the top. From Hamish myself, Hamish is a dog, up in Ontario, Canada. It's good night, and your God or your gods go with you.